It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we were the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin in the show. For fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. We're going to finish off this week's schedule by taking your questions. And before we get to that, I got sent this note on Twitter from James L. And he found on a Reddit thread a... I think it's a a master's dissertation from Lehigh University in 1994. Okay, so we're talking about something that is 25 years old at Lehigh for some reason. And it is the survival of professional football in Green Bay, Wisconsin, 1921 to 1955. And and what it examines, trust me, I am not going to read excerpts from this academic paper, but... I did, I did read the, the, about the first half of it because I was just curious. I was interested in, in what they were uh, looking at and what they were talking about. And the question that they sought to answer was, how did this happen? How did the Packers survive for so long in the smallest market in sports? How did this happen in a, a world, the sports world, where even big market teams can can find it difficult to turn a profit. How did the Packers, amid so much turmoil uh, post-World War One into World War II, all of the issues that they had to deal with that killed off dozens and dozens of other semi-professional and professional teams, how did the Packers survive? And the short answer is because the fans wouldn't let it die fans like you now obviously you were not around in all likelihood in the 20s 30s and 40s and 50s giving your money to the Packers if you're listening to this my guess is you're in a demographic below people in those age rangers but if you aren't hey great for you and and awesome if you were a part of any of that and you know what if if you are I'd love to hear about it Tell me on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. The reason I'm bringing this up is 
a reminder of how special this organization is and how special you guys are. This does not exist anywhere else. Nowhere else in sports is the smallest market team capable of having this kind of following. Nowhere else in sports is a small market team going to support a daily podcast and make it the biggest sports podcast about Wisconsin sports. That, that is impossible. It is impossible. And yet, for almost 100 years, Packer fans have supported this team through, listen, plenty of lean years in there. And not just going to the games, not just watching, with money, with stock sales. A, a, lot, of, a lot of fan bases, and especially on Twitter, they like to make fun of Packers owners and, and people who say, you know, I'm an owner because you have a meaningless stock certificate to them. It's meaningless to them. But you know what? Those stock certificates allowed the Green Bay Packers to survive. They allowed this team to become what it is today, to become America's team. And, and just to exist, it wouldn't even have to be the popular public team that it is. Just to have it exist is due to fans like you who supported it financially, who said, I'm going to give my money, my hard-earned money to a team so that it can survive. That's what Packer fans are. So I just I think that is worth bringing up. It's, it's worth reminding all of us that this is a special thing. And it's also a reminder that, you know, when, when you go out in social media or you call into radio shows or whatever you do, that, that the Packer fans are supposed to be different. They're supposed to be different because, listen, I am someone who hears it a lot from Bears fans, from fans of other teams. I don't want Packer fans to be like that. I don't want the, the social media vitriol, the bullying, all of the nonsense that takes place. Packer Twitter can be a dark place because there's a lot of self-loathing. There's a lot of cynicism. There is a, a, a lot of jaded perspectives. And, and frankly, there are plenty of people who have, who have been spoiled by the success that this team has had over the last 20 plus years. That's not a, that's not a, you know, that's not to say that's everyone, but if you are one of those people, remind yourself how special this team is, how unlikely its existence is, its mere existence on a fundamental level. The Packers should just not exist, but it does because Packer fans support it in a way that no other community supports their team in it. There was a time in the 30s and 40s when Curly Lambeau wanted to gradually transition the team away from Green Bay to Milwaukee, but they would have games in Milwaukee and they would have bigger crowds in Green Bay than in Milwaukee, even though Milwaukee is, as I'm sure you know, a much bigger city. Green Bay fans, it's not even just Packer fans, but Green Bay fans in particular are a special breed of, of people of sports fans. 
And so, you know, I, this was just my way of saying, let's all remember how cool that is. Let's appreciate the unlikely journey that this team has gone on and appreciate their very existence because you get to cheer and support for a team that shouldn't exist and its mere existence was only made possible because people like you have for decades, nearly a century, supported this team. And listen, we all need support. Part of the human condition is that we need support. We need to support each other. And that's what Packer Nation is about. That's what Cheesehead Nation is about. It's about coming together as a community to support one another in a common goal, and that is supporting the Packers. There are other places that you may need support. And again, we all need support. And if you need support in the bedroom, there's an app for that. Okay, there's a website for that. And it's bluechew.com. Blue like the color Blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this is not just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function in the bedroom. You want that opportunity to arise in the right way. See what I did there? Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right let's start here hey peter what's happening hello peter what's happening Rick from Far Texas, as we start heading into training camp, I can't help but wonder what the learning curve for the new system will look like. A lot has been made about 12's football IQ, and now he's the straw that stirs the drink. How does having a QB like Aaron help mitigate the early growing pains of a new offensive installation? By the way, I love this podcast. Haven't missed a single episode. Go Pack Go. Rick, you're the man. Thank you. Uh, this is, I think, the million-dollar question. How does having Aaron Rodgers fast track this offense, if at all? Well, here is, here is how I would project this. You know, the quarterback position is the person on the field who takes on the most responsibility. And so he needs to know what everyone is doing at a given time. And, and while it is the case that 
you know, the receivers, they're going to have to learn multiple positions. So they're going to have to know the routes from a number of different spots. And the running backs, they need to learn not just where to run on a given play, but the protection calls and adjustments and all that stuff. And offensive linemen, they need to know the protection calls. They need to know where the run fits are. They need to know uh, where they're going to slide protection. There's a lot that they need to know. But no one has as much on his plate as the quarterback. So when you're talking about a new system, you need a quarterback who can process that information quickly. So Jared Goff in L.A., he needs a coach who can help him go through his pre-snap progression, see what's up, and make those audible calls. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need that. So when when you're going to make that transition, when you have a guy who is intellectually, football intellectually as elite as Aaron Rodgers is, that should lower that learning curve because the receivers, yeah, they're going to learn some new concepts, but the routes are the routes by and large. I mean, a lot, you know, a slant is not going to vary very much from scheme to scheme. There may be subtle differences. There may be terminology differences. But ultimately, you know, the routes are the routes. And these Packers offensive linemen are used to blocking outside zone. So the technique is is not that unique. Some of the verbiage may be different, but it's still football. The big change is the processing part for the quarterback. So when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers... You are at an advantage versus if it's a young quarterback, you have someone, you know, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. You have to go through a different learning process because you're still learning NFL football. You're still learning how to identify the Mike linebacker. I mean, Patrick Mahomes got to the Chiefs and and said he had never had to, to identify the mic. You always hear pre-snap the quarterbacks, they point at someone and they say 52 is the mic or they just say a number 52. That's what they're identifying. But it's not just as simple as that's the guy over the the center. The Mike linebacker does not always stand in the same spot. And the alignment might be a little off. And so you have to be able to read what's going on. That, That in itself is more complicated than what a lot of young quarterbacks are having to do in college. This is, this is football 101 for Rodgers. It's old hat for Rodgers. So he doesn't have to worry about it. And the fact that the Packers have that advantage, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden they're going to be on the same page because there are going to be timing differences. There's going to be route differences. The physical part is what's going to take more time, I think. The timing, the rhythm, the spacing, all that stuff is going to take a little bit of time. But from a mental standpoint, having Rodgers is, I think Rick is right to point this out, is is a huge boon for them as they transition to this new offense. And and that dovetails really nicely with this question I got on Twitter from Eli Berkowitz. I feel like I haven't heard Jay Sternberger's name in a while. I'm excited with him long-term, but not sure how much of an impact he'll make as a rookie. Historically, tight ends have not been a factor as rookies. Do you think he has a shot to do something in 2019? He has a shot. He could. Uh, I think here's the here's the thing that the Packers are going to have to weigh here. Jimmy Graham probably not going to be on this team in 2020. Mercedes Lewis probably not going to be on this team in 2020. But tight end is an integral part of this offense. And he needs to learn it. And he needs some reps. And he needs some experience. Uh, 
So they're going to have to find ways to get him on the field if for no other reason than to prepare him for life next year when he's going to have to be, at the very least, one of the two tight ends who's always on the field. Maybe Big Bob Tanyan can step forward and and assume that tight end one role. He has the receiving skills, we think. I think Jay Sternberger is is more gifted overall and, and certainly better suited for this uh, this scheme as it currently stands. If those two guys are the tight ends, you, you need to have given them some kind of rep. Now, it is the case that Matt LaFleur's offense is going to have plays that are designed to get a tight end open in space. It is precisely the kind of offense you would want a rookie tight end in because he's not going to have to work to get open constantly. There's going to be scheme ways that he's just going to be open. He's not going to have to get open. He's just going to be open by play design. Now, you don't want to telegraph with him on the field and you only run those leak plays or the throwbacks or or the, the unique ways. And they're not even that unique because, you know, Kyle Shanahan has been doing it Mike Shanahan before him has been doing it. Sean McVay does it. A lot of people do that. But the the interesting ways that that Matt LaFleur is going to try and get these tight ends open, that is useful if you're a rookie and you're still learning how to play. He's still going to have to take a step forward as a blocker. He's still going to have to learn a, a full route tree. There's, you know, he's going to have to adjust to a different physicality in the NFL game. Now, he played in the SEC, was a legit difference maker in the SEC. And I do think, you know, Eli is right to point out that his name has kind of been forgotten in in the list of rookies who could potentially have an impact. People are really excited about Darnell Savage, and rightfully so. And they're talking about the long-term, you know, potential of someone like Elton Jenkins. Can Kadar Holman make his way on the field? Dexter Williams, is he a wild card in the in the preseason? Can he fight his way onto this team? There's been a lot of discussion, and I feel like it's true that that Sternberger has kind of not been on the radar. I I would think that changes in the preseason because he's the kind of guy who these these backup linebackers and backup safeties who are going to have to cover him and tackle him, they're going to have a hard time. They are going to have a hard time and he is going to be able to to you know put on a show a little bit or at least have the platform to do it uh, we, we have no idea if he's any good in the NFL yet uh, he's going to get his chance to show that he's going to be in a good position to do that but this is still Jimmy Graham's tight end position Mercedes Lewis is going to be a huge factor in terms of how often he's on the field they're going to play in a lot of two tight end sets so how often do they rotate Sternberger in Do they rotate him in for Jimmy? Do they rotate him in for Lewis? How do they how do they match what what Tanyan is going to do? Those are interesting questions, and I think questions worth discussing. We'll we'll certainly do that when the time comes. I'd like to see this offense on the field in action and see how it looks, and it makes answering some of those questions a little bit easier. And speaking of making things a little bit easier, postmates wants to make your life a little bit easier. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you want all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free credit for your first seven days. Just download the Postmates app and use the code LOCKEDON.
Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, last thing here. This is a, a voicemail I got and, a, and an interesting question. Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is Adam from Boise. I had a quick question for you. I was wondering if Kyler Fackrell is kind of the forgotten man. Uh, I know he got 10 and a half sacks. He's not the sexiest player athletically, but he got 10 and a half sacks with a pretty mediocre defense. I was wondering if you, what you see him with the Smiths. And uh, thanks. So here's the problem when you look at Kyler Fackrell, it is certainly true that he took a step forward. And if you had asked me a year ago, you know, what his future was on this team, I would say, you know, he might not make the squad in 2019. He breaks out. He has these gaudy sack numbers. The problem is he was, you know, essentially historically great at converting pressures to sacks. And that is, that's just not sustainable. Uh, because you just, it is one of those things that you, when you are a, a player who plays regularly, okay, you're going to have a lot more pressures than you have sacks. And, and the guys who are on the field a lot and who are really good at creating pressure, I mean, you're talking about 50, 60, 70 pressures. D Ford had 84 pressures last year. Uh, and, and the pressure, and his pressure rate is like 13% of snaps, D Ford's. You look at someone, okay, this is a good example. Zadarius Smith, he had 61 pressures last year. 61 is a lot, okay? That's four a game. But he only had eight and a half sacks, which is basically one every two games. Well, okay, Kyler Fackrell last season had 23 pressures. So, you know, one and a half a game. Now he's that's limited opportunities, so it, you know you can't compare it directly to to Zadarius Smith. But the point here, he has 23 pressures and 10 and a half sacks. He converted almost 50 percent of his pressures into sacks. Imagine if you know Khalil Mack who had 73 pressures. If he is if he's converting at a 50 percent rate, I mean he, he breaks every record that has ever existed for sacks. It's just not sustainable. And and this is something that you look at year to year and you go, okay, are there outliers with people who are getting too many sacks relative to their pressure rate? Pressure rate is a more uh, effective indicator of how disruptive someone was than sacks because you might just be really lucky and you get there a half step sooner 
than someone else four times. And now the difference between eight and a half sacks and ten and a half, you know, you get there two two more times and you've got better sack numbers. Despite the fact that Zadarius Smith was far more on a per snap basis, far more likely to get pressure, and created overall far more pressures. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, Zadarius Smith had a pressure rate 12.58%. So on 12% of his pass rush snaps, he created a pressure. Preston Smith, 11.3 pressure rate. Remember, I mentioned Zadarius Smith had a pressure rate better than Demarcus Lawrence, better than J.J. Watt and Justin Houston. Preston Smith, his pressure rate better than Melvin Ingram, better than Miles Garrett, better than Cam Jordan. All right, you really have to scroll down the list here. Kyler Fackrell, his his pressure percentage was under 10, 9.47%. That's in the same group with guys like Romeo Aquara, Carlos Dunlap, Alex Okafor, Bud Dupree. Not the same quality of players. Now, it was, interestingly, still better than Everson Griffin, still better than Leonard Floyd's, better than Dante Fowler Jr.'s. He's still in a limited number of pass rush reps, created a solid number of pressures. I mean, he was top 50 in pressure rate last year with a minimum number of snaps. But he converted a lot of them, and uh, an unsustainable number of them into sacks. And clearly Green Bay understood this. You see 10.5 sacks, then you're, you're pretty surprised that a team would then go out and spend as much as Green Bay did you know, 50 plus million, 70 plus million on edge rushers and then use a top 10 pick on an edge rusher and then use a top 15 pick on an edge rusher. That is not what you'd expect. But the reason is sack numbers in the case of Kyler Fackrell and in the case of other players as well. But when we see these spikes, you have to look at if the pressure rate and the sack numbers match up. And in this case, they just don't. 23 pressures, you know, you'd expect him to have five, six at most sacks. I mean, that would, and that would be a good season. That would be a good season. He got 10 and a half. And that doesn't mean he didn't get those sacks. He definitely did. But my point is, if he has 23 pressures and five sacks, no one is like, are we, are we not talking about Kyler Fackrell enough? But because on a couple plays, he got there a half step sooner, his numbers look better. It's unsustainable for him to look like this. This season, Green Bay recognized that, and they acted accordingly. All right, we're going to be back next week, and uh, training camp opens. So we're going to have actual pads on football to talk about, and that makes a, a, a lot for a lot of exciting discussions. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Hell, subscribe on all of them. Uh, that just, you know, you're you're a good fan if you do that. Um, and, and and be sure to rate the show. Review it. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Let other fans know that you are liking Locked on Packers. You can also always follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can ask me questions there. You can ask questions at Locked on Packers. Send your feedback. Uh, your questions, your comments, your movie reviews, your chocolate chip cookie recipes. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. If you are someone that bought stock way back when and you are listening, I need to hear about it. Or if your grandfather or grandmother or great uncle 
If you know someone that bought that bought stock back in the 40s, hit me up. Twitter, Locked On Packers fan hotline. Somehow let me know I need to hear about it. 920-341-3775 and help everyone stay Locked On Packers.